welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern shooting pigs into space! Welcome to a space-centric episode. You know, it occurred to me while we were recording, because for anybody that doesn't know, we record, uh, we do a live stream uh, every two weeks, usually on Monday. And then immediately after the live stream, we go ahead and record the audio for the next week's episode, because it's just a time thing. It's easy to go ahead and knock it all out in one night. Uh, And it occurred to me that why didn't we call the live streams uh, visual interlude? (laughs) <laughs> it's not just audible into, anymore but that's that's too much it's too confusing we have a brand visible uh, interlude we have a brand to put over and and speaking of that brand uh if you follow audible interlude podcast on instagram you can go to the pinned stories and you can pre-order your very own joe fest 2023 audible interlude tour shirt for pickup at joe fest uh, this is based on the original Beastie Boys tour shirt. It is uh, No Sleep Till Augusta. It will only be available at Joe Fest. It will only be available this one time. We will never, ever reprint this design in any way. Uh, so you just go to that link, pre-order your shirt, and you'll be able to pick it up at the show. And then we're going to have hats available as well. I am waiting for the final prototype, which is a weird thing to say. Uh for the hat. And as soon as I get my hands on that, I will take a picture of it and put it up in the store at the same link. Uh, and we will be at Joe Fest 2023 with hopefully lots of programming. We're ironing out the details right now. Uh, we, we already have two things confirmed, possibly one more to go. We'll see what happens, but whatever the case, audible interlude, uh, is in the flying, the friendly skies to Joe fest with, and I'll tell you this right now, to me, it feels like the literal truth that I'm not going to get any sleep till Augusta. (laughs) Uh, so last week's live stream, we had a very special guest star in the form of word burglar the video is available on the needless things youtube channel along with all of the toy reviews uh gi joe and otherwise that happen over there that is also uh where we host our live streams uh and you can catch the audio of that episode with word burglar wherever you get your podcasts same place you listen to this one uh mention that needless things youtube channel go check that out like subscribe share mention the shirts uh, our next live stream is on May the 8th. Uh, and then after that, we will be barreling towards Cobra Convergence in July. Uh, Noel, do you want to tell us a little bit about Cobra Convergence? Sure. So Cobra Convergence, of course, the brainchild of Hooded Cobra Commander 788, who, along with a couple of other uh, YouTube uh, G.I. Joe reviewers, started doing this about uh, five, six, seven years ago. Um, again, it was initially just a few YouTubers, uh, eventually, uh, a few more joined. There's usually kind of a, a, a central thread or maybe a common storyline that goes between all these videos. Uh, but it's expanding. And in the last, uh, last year, we got to participate for the first time as we expanded to not just video content, but uh, a lot of podcasts as well, got to join in on it. 
and uh, very excited to be part of it again here in 2023. Uh, our June 19th live stream will feature Hooded Cobra Commander 788 as a special guest. And then on July 16th, we will be providing uh, during that live stream our Cobra Convergence content. Uh, I don't know that the theme has been revealed to the public yet, but you can bet your bottom dollar that we're going to tackle it in the most audible interlude way possible. Uh, so that's everything that's on the schedule. This week's episode, because there's a certain movie coming out uh, today, as a matter of fact. Well, so for the listeners, it's today. Uh, me and the family went and saw it yesterday, but that's 10 days in the future from right now. And then <laughs> my head's going to explode. Uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming out. Uh, and we thought we would devote this episode to Joe's in space now usually when a franchise heads to space uh it is not only jumping the proverbial shark but uh launching and achieving orbit over the proverbial shark uh, are you but, saying that uh leprechaun uh hellraiser and jason x are not the <laughs> the best of those series when I, they went to space i freaking adore two of the three movies that you just mentioned, <laughs> and I will leave it to the audience to figure uh, out which two are the ones that I truly love. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about uh, this. This is our crusaders of the cosmos episode. Uh, but before we get into our segments that we love so much, I want to talk a little bit about Joe's in space. What is, for you guys, what are, what are your first memories of G.I. Joe kind of interacting with space? For me, it goes way back because, I mean, right there in, uh, was it Pyramid of Darkness? Yep, Pyramid with of Darkness. Fatal with Fluffies. Fatal Fluffies. On the satellite. Yep. And not the satellite of love. Uh, but, yeah, that I feel like that's my earliest Space Joe memory. Is it kind of the same for you guys? Well, my very well, first Space Joe memory goes yeah. back even further than that, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in this show. Right. So right. I'll, I'll save that. But as far as uh, Real American Hero, yeah, Pyramid of Darkness. Um, but I, like one episode that's always stuck out in my head was The Wrong Stuff, uh, which was uh, 80 so season. Was that a season one regular episode, I believe? What, so hap what happens in it? Well, they all have to go into space, so they have to train all the Joes. So basically, the Joes are going to space camp uh, and figuring out who's going to actually have the, the the physical capability of going up into space. So they're they're all giving them all the physical tests, and a bunch of them wash out. Gosh, I th this is barely ringing a bell for me. It's so wild because I, I watch all of these once a year, but there's some episodes that every time like. I'll, I'll, there are always episodes that I see that I'm like, oh, wow, I don't totally remember this one. <laughs> but it's because I I put them on, you know, there are a lot of episodes of G.I. Joe. I put them on and, you know, I might end up doing other things for a couple episodes or whatever, like they'll play in the background. It says it's episode 49. So it's okay, pretty, so pretty deep one. in. Yeah. November 28th, 1985. So it was still okay. season one, but it was, um, yeah, a little later in the season. Yeah. See, by this time, I'm in the other room dusting my Masters of the Universe collection. 
It's <laughs> probably what happened. Probably. Uh, all right. So, yeah, the, I mean, Joe in uh, Christian is the same for you. Pretty much Pyramid of Darkness, Fatal Fluffies. Yeah, I was, you know, I was trying to remember because as a kid, I know I had some adventure team stuff, but I don't have any strong memories. Like, I, I don't think I had any of the alien figures, basically. So it would have been Pyramid of Darkness. And there, it, it's funny because it really feels like the Defiant is kind of the launching point of the Joes going into space, but Sunbow established it uh, pretty solidly. It didn't show up in the comics until, well, if it showed up in the comics, it's after issue 101, which is where I am in my my reading. I, I can't even call it rereading anymore because now I'm into issues that I never read when I was younger. I'm, I'm up yeah, into like 1990. It's really when they get into Star Brigade, uh, I think that's the first time they really do any space stuff in the comics because they really didn't. Did they even incorporate the Defiant really at all into the comic? They must not have, because like I said, I'm the issues I'm in now came out in 1990. So the Defiant had been out for what? Four three years. years. Yeah. Wait, was it 87? Okay. So mm-hmm. three years at that point. So yeah, the Defiant has not showed up in the comics. And it's weird because I, you know, I'm, I consider myself a 82 to 87 collector. Um, but anything that wasn't in the media from 87 is off my radar. So the defiant, and I mentioned it here before the defiant to me is not like a piece that I desire to have in my collection. Right. Right. As much as many of the other things from that year, because it's not in the movie. It doesn't show up in the, uh, in the, in the comic that I remember at all. So it just wasn't a thing that like, there was nothing to advertise it to me when I was a kid. Right, right. Which I guess is just the proof that that GI Joe and everything else is just as evil as everybody says it is. But that's okay because we love it anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, it is time now to move on to our first outer space event. All right, so in looking for space-themed things to talk about, uh, I came across this episode of, you guys, I know, I know, but we were going to have to revisit it at some point, probably over and over again, the Deke cartoon. This episode is called Cold Shoulder, and I will say this. From the synopsis that I read, I thought it was going to be a lot more outer spacey <laughs> than it actually is. What the um, title "Cold Shoulder" didn't make you realize it was going to be an Arctic episode? It's cold in space. <laughs> well, you, you see, I got excited when I got die because of how cold it is in space. When I got the agenda, I got excited because I saw review GI Joe episode "Cold Slip." Oh, it's not cold slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so here's here's the problem that I keep running into now. Uh, and I mentioned this a, a few months ago. It's gotten to be very difficult for me to do any work. For I used to do all of my research and, and putting things together and, and organizing uh, at my day job. Because during, I work 12-hour shifts, and I do maybe like five hours of work during those shifts. So I've got some downtime. It's it's when I've always done my writing and everything else. But they've put new security on the computers 
I can't get to any websites that are listed as entertainment. So that includes IMDb, YoJo, Mm. 3D Joes, like every resource I used to use to put these episodes together, I can't access anymore. Um, So here is... Here is the extent of what I was able to see about this episode when I made this choice. Uh, From the Google, you know, the brief little Google thing that you get from uh, G.I. Joe.fandom.com, Cold Shoulder, Joepedia Fandom, G.I. Joe and the October Guard join forces for the first mission in space. Cobra Commander has caught a cold and takes it out on everyone around him. So from that synopsis, it sounds like this is going to be a big space episode. (laughs) Uh, Not so much, but there's still plenty to talk about. And it does. It is based around a space mission. So it starts uh, off. It starts off with a space mission. Yes. It's a Roger Corman gi joe space mission (laughs) (laughs) yes yes that is Uh, a very accurate description so the original air date was october 10th 1990 this is oh which i have some things to say about uh uh, about that date specifically so (laughs) really okay oh oh yes about what was going on on october 10th 1990 and a particular character that appears very uh very much in this episode okay uh, yeah. so, Noel's heated. uh, ep- ep- this was episode eight of the first season of the Deke series, uh, written by Craig Miller and Mark Nelson, directed by Jim Duffy and Chuck Patton. Uh, and the first note I've got, and this is a fact, you guys, when I put in, cause I've got the DVDs and this was actually, uh, because we had word burglar on, we did not get to do Joe and tell for the live stream. My Joe and tell was going to be the DVDs of the Deke series. Uh, and one of the comments that I got on Instagram was actually, let me pull it up here. If I've still got it. Uh, boy, who doesn't love a little dead air? <laughs> um okay well while you're looking at that did any of the you guys have the issue every time you see the name of this episode like i don't just hear cold shoulder i hear it sung to goldfinger and <laughs> no but now i will and i love cold it shoulder. cold shoulder exactly <laughs> He's the man, the man with pneumonia. (laughs) Um, All right. So I put up a picture of the menu because I, I, you know, these are the little things you're supposed to do on social media to let people know, hey, we're doing this thing. Like us, please. Uh, So Iron Grenadier commented, this DVD set is perpetually on my Amazon wish list, but somehow I can never pull the trigger. And I said, you need to buy it. Because at some point, these DVDs are going to be either gone or really hard to find or really expensive. I got these a few years ago for like, I I did not pay over $10 for either one of these. Uh, Matter of fact, I I know for like seven or eight for both. of them, And that was like seven or eight years ago. And after I, I commented back, I said, go ahead and buy them. Don't put it off. 
let the FOMO get you this time. Uh, I went and looked and season one is $40 now. Wow. Season two is still season two is still like 14 bucks, but uh, these were going to be my Joe and tell. And I was going to tell everybody find copies of these. Now, even if you hate the deep cartoon, which by the way, that was me when I bought these, Uh, even if you hate it, get them because someday you're going to be sad that you don't have them. Uh, But they're also, I think they're also on Tubi right now. But this episode was it, when I looked last night, it said it'll be available on Tubi on 424. And I was like, oh, oh of really? course. <laughs> yeah. Except when I looked at it today, it still said it was unavailable. Because oh, I tried yeah. to go look at it again to, to rewatch it. But I had to, I watched it on the uh, G.I. Joe Facebook. Oh, okay. Page. So it's They've got it but, on there. And that's the thing with streaming is like that stuff comes and goes. The mm-hmm. licensing changes. It's available for a while, then it's not. Plus, this I noticed today because I let me just tell you, uh, I watched Operation Dragonfire, and I genuinely do kind of enjoy that. We've we've reviewed what the Mind Mangler. I think that's the only other Deke thing we've talked about on the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I noticed, we'll review, yeah. I noticed, and look, because I I have not watched all of these because I got. When I very first bought them, I watched Operation Dragonfire, kind of dug it, and then watched a couple episodes past that. And I was like, oh, I can't watch this. Uh, So I never noticed that season two, one of the special features is a retrospective featurette with the Hasbro toy team. I have not watched it yet, but I'm very interested in it. Hmm. But anyway, those DVDs are out there. That's how I watched it. Uh, And... The theme song, as soon as the menu came up, the Get Joe Tough theme song started playing. And I was like, oh, man, I think I really like this now. (laughs) And I sat there and I listened to it and I was like, man, I think I like this. And then when I started the episode and listened to the whole theme song with all of the 90s vehicles rolling all over the place, shooting discs or whatever, I was like, man, I really do dig this song. It's it's very like DVDA, like Trey Parker, <laughs> like now you're yep. a band. Like <laughs> it's got that going on. I love this theme song, like legit now. If they want to put it, it on vinyl, I'll buy it. This one and the so the arcade game that was out around the same time, you can find the soundtrack to that arcade game. Um, I I sent you a clip that we were oh, going to yeah, use for yeah, Christmas, yeah. and it was music from that. Um, and you can find all that online for free. And it's in a it's in a it's in a very similar vein to where it is that like it's that montage music from the late eighties, early nineties. Yes, yes. So I am all in on the Deke theme song now. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the thing that still gets me on that is the weird part where. There, you know, instead of like G.I. Joe is a highly trained special mission force where they're doing the, the equivalent of that. But there's the guy that's just yelling, yo, Joe, in the background the whole time. That part I, throws me off. I, I love it, though, because that part fits so well with the type of theme song that this is like G.I. Joe is the defender of freedom. Yo, Joe, protecting the world against Cobra. Yo, Joe, like it just <laughs> works. I don't think that's exactly how it goes, but I, yeah. I'm into it. This was a few um, years before extreme was the thing. <laughs> right, right. But but there's definitely some extreme elements. 
So, uh, as we said in the synopsis, the first, this is the first combined GI Joe October guard mission in space, uh, which consists of, oh man, you know what I didn't realize? So I meant to go back and look up the characters. So it's Rampart and Red Star, although they never refer to him as Red Star. He's only Captain Kremov. You are incorrect, sir. Because he is also Colonel Kremoff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, for some reason. Uh, he gets promoted he, at some point? Uh, yeah, when he's captured by Cobra, he becomes Colonel Kremoff. But then at the end of the episode, he's Captain Kremoff again. And we're a family show, so we are not going to talk at all about that name and <laughs> how weird it is. Um. So yes, Rampart and Colonel C- Captain Kremoff are are in this space, this brightly colored space shuttle. It's so funny. This episode could have very easily been a Sunbow episode, story wise. Uh, but there are little things like the the baby polar bear in the uniform which by the way my note is my note on that is it all caps it's a got dang baby polar bear in a <laughs> got dang uniform uh and the space shuttle like if that were in sunbow it would have just been a regular colored space shuttle yeah. uh but in this particular episode really the biggest tell was the voice acting Oh my gosh, that was one of my notes. Actually, as soon as the baby polar bear appears on scene, my note was rip that uniform off because whoever is voice acting it, the thing is choking. (laughs) Those are not bear noises. Well, it's like gargling coffee. But like story wise, it's pretty good animation wise it's it's solid well it's solid enough it's solid it's, for a deke it looked better than mind mangler to me yeah um, the first the first season like it trails off about halfway through the first season um it, it's not that bad at first but it gets it gets well dragon worse. operation Dragonfire is almost sunbow quality right 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 yeah. um but yeah th- this one like it was not I, I enjoyed watching it, but let's let's get back to the plot. So uh, Rampart, who is absolutely intolerable because it's <laughs> 1990 video games like old people that produce entertainment have realized that video games are important. So now they're incorporating video game terminology and references into media. And Rampart is just the absolute worst avatar of video game references <laughs> space invaders this episode airs in 1990 and he references right. space invaders <laughs> like this this was written by the vince mcmahon of of animation oh my god uh so Which, yeah it, like i was looking up craig miller and martin Nelson, who wrote this one um like they they had been around for a little while because they wrote uh some episodes of real ghostbusters um, they did 10 episodes of Bionic 6, which I thought was uh, mm. uh, a pretty good a- accomplishment. But, I mean, they were writing throughout the 90s. They did, like, an episode of Beast Wars, did an episode of, like, a few other big cartoons during the 90s. So, like, they hadn't been around forever. Um, so, I don't know if they were that old, but they were definitely a little out of touch with that kind of pop culture reference. 
so yeah, Ram- Rampart, uh, I found fairly intolerable. I thought, uh, Captain, C- Captain Kremoff, his voice was fine for, for a, of the era Russian, like it was fine. Ba- yeah. Making every terrible Russian cliche yeah. joke you could possibly make. But I mean, that was, you know, well, I, I feel about as sick as a bowl of borscht you know whatever <laughs> right. all we were missing is in mother russia uh, right right i right. shoot you sputnik vodka kremlin like whatever it's fine it's fine for the time uh so uh they are in the space shuttle and they have brought the star smasher satellite with them uh to eliminate dangerous meteorites uh and this was all like, again, like watching the mind mangler, it felt like a completely different, everything about it felt completely different to the GI Joe that I know this pretty much everything in it lined up with Sunbow GI Joe to me, like the idea that they're going to send Joe's into space with a laser to shoot out dangerous meteorites. Like that's, that's Sunbow stuff that totally lines up. Uh, and the fact that they've got this video game idiot who's like thousand points, bro. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> ah, but whatever. If I keep um, doing this, I'll get an I'll get a free game. Ah, uh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, I've got a very I've got a specific quote later on that made me want to rip my TV off the wall. It was so bad, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, so they're up there eliminating meteorites, discovering that uh, it missed one. So they've got a kind of do some diagnostics, figure out what went wrong. And meanwhile, you have Sergeant Slaughter in his full regular Sergeant Slaughter gear. I was kind of expecting him to be in like the blue Slaughter's Marauders gear or whatever. Well, the first time they show him, it's just probably a coloring issue, but he looked like he was wearing blue. And I was like, okay, I guess he's wearing Slaughter's Marauder. Nope. He's wearing his regular. Outfit. Yeah. 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 I, that's, I had the same thought. Uh, but yeah, he was in his regular triple T pilot gear, uh, and he is at the tracking station in the frozen North. They do not describe it any uh, beyond that at all, but it's fine. They don't need to, uh, oh, well, this is, I've, I've gotten out of order here just a little bit because we, at this point, when we meet Sergeant Slaughter Rampart and, uh, Captain cream cream off have not yet launched into space, uh, Sergeant Slaughter's communicating with them about the shuttle launch. And then we see a night creeper with a cape. So you guys are probably slightly more familiar with the night creeper than I am. Maybe the cape threw me off a little bit. Is uh, that standard know, issue for a night creeper? A little artistic license with the, okay, with the night okay. creeper. But it turns out the cape is functional, but we'll get to that in a minute because first I want to mention the fact that the night creepers suction cups that he's using to crawl up the side of the space shuttle are going bloop 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 <laughs> which is another very uh, deep thing that would not have happened in sunbow yes uh so the night creeper installs uh something that will come into play later on and then as the shuttle is taking off which it's very funny that we're discussing this, you know, for the listeners, we're talking about this on April 24th, even though this episode doesn't come out until May 3rd, I think. Uh, so just four days 
after a particularly hilarious shuttle launch, we're <laughs> watching uh, this shuttle launch. And so as the shuttle goes off, the Night Creeper's cape turns into a glider, which is actually kind of cool, a little Batman-esque. And if you remember, the Batman movie came out a year prior to this. Uh, so I actually kind of dug the Night Creeper with the cape that turned into a glider. And if we get a when we get a classified Night Creeper, let's make it a deluxe figure, throw that cape in and make it transform into a glider. I'm down with that. Uh, so did you guys, when the night creeper showed up, did you guys have any particular, like, were you like, Oh, it's a night creeper. Cool. Like, uh, what was that to you? Well, so I, when I went through and watched the deep cartoons a few years ago for really for the first time, I watched this whole run and, uh, oh, you've, so you've watched all of them. I watched all of them. Um, wow. I didn't know so, you were a masochist. So this specifically, <laughs> I believe would be night creeper leader who was a character designed for the Deke cartoon because he doesn't have the face mask over like his nose and mouth. Um, Cause there's regular night creepers oh. who have their face fully covered like the figure, but then there's night creeper leader because they like to do that. They like to assign individual troop builders. Like they had the alley Viper in operation Dragonfire, who just get kept getting called alley Viper the whole time. That was, that was a thing they did a lot in Deke. So, Gosh, I don't know how deep I can get. He is referred to as our Night Creeper. Mm -hmm. By, well, I guess we can go ahead and move on. So I had forgot that it's, we're a family friendly show. I, when we discuss certain things about G.I. Joe, like Deke cartoons, I have to remind myself we are family friendly and I have to keep my language clean. Uh, for some flipping reason, Nogahide is now fulfilling the role of Destro. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> so but here's one thing like, about the Deke. Yeah. One weird thing about the way that they, they do the Deke episodes, they they used very few characters in each episode. And there would always be like one henchman hanging out with Cobra Commander. And sometimes it was like Road Pig. And sometimes <laughs> it was Destro. And sometimes it oh, was Oh, so they do use Destro still. Yeah, but Destro. Not a lot. Yeah, Destro gets used uh, uh, a few times during this season. And well, he's both he's of Iron the Grenadiers ones we've watched. Destro. Both of the ones we've watched had Nogahide as Cobra yes, Commander right. yeah, second. I, yeah. So that's just that's just luck that that happened that way. And like Dreadnoughts don't exist anymore. Like Road yeah. Pig and Nogahide just show up in Deke as members of Cobra and Zorana as well. Wow. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> Nogahide tells Cobra Commander our Night Creeper has successfully done whatever he's supposed to do. Okay, fine. Uh, and then we get to meet Cubby, uh, the orphan polar bear <laughs> who can salute, who can salute, who can walk up on two legs, which polar bears do, maybe not regularly, but they're capable of it physically. Uh, so Sub-Zero, I am not overly familiar with 
Sub-Zero. I believe he's the post-Blizzard Arctic Trooper for G.I. Yes. Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has my least favorite G.I. Joe voice of all time. <laughs> he sounds like... Who was the hippie teacher from Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> Mr. Van Driesen. <laughs> he sounds like Mr. Van Driesen, and not in a good way. Although I don't know how that would be in a good way at all. But to be fair, he is a bit of a hippie. He is out there like saving polar bears and adopting them. Not weird. He is the father to 10 polar bears <laughs> is what he says. And he has put a baby polar bear in a uniform. <laughs> you guys, I, I had to keep telling myself if this was a sunbow episode. That would be a little kid. Some way, somehow, that would be little Tommy. So at least, at least it's a bear. Well, you're right. In a uniform. You're right. It would have, it would have been an Inuit child that that snow job found out on the tundra (laughs) and adopted. You're, you're right. You're right. So this is actually marginally better. Uh, and this is th- this is where I really my my biggest issue with Deke is not how loony it is and how like silly some of it is. It really is the voices, and I don't blame the voice actors. Obviously, this was the direction they wanted mm-hmm. it to be aimed at a younger audience than Sunbow was. They clearly directed these voice actors to be. I don't know the term for sounding more stupid, but that's what it is. Uh, well, and it's it's also really jarring on an episode like this one where you have Chris Lotta is back, Sergeant yes. Slaughter is back. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's everybody else. And, like there's but, there's very there's, few there's blood. Yeah. There's blood coming but, out of Rampart's head. Mm-hmm. But even even God, I hate saying this. Even with Chris Lotta, you can tell that it is different voice direction than what he's typically given. He's still yeah. giving us Cobra Commander, but I... The tone is different. It, yeah, it was like he's yeah. giving us Cobra Commander at a 7, not yes. Cobra Commander at a 12. Yes. Like Sunbow would be or Starscream would be. Uh, so now we have gotten back to the point where we're actually into the space mission. And uh, I would like to note that I was watching this and not wearing my reading glasses. So my note here uh, reads space mission knocks out meaty roots uh, because I did not realize I had misspelled meteorites. <laughs> and I guess my phone didn't catch it for some reason. Uh so at this point, uh, they, this is where they actually discover, okay, we've, we've blasted all the meteorites. We missed one. So we need to do some diagnostics to, to figure out what's going on. Uh, and Cobra commander and Naga Hyde are watching from their remote Arctic facility and Cobra commander orders, uh, the electronic cutoff device to be activated, which cuts off the electronics. <laughs> I mean, you know, why mess around with clever names at this point? 
Uh, so the space shuttle goes back into the atmosphere, has a crash landing. Rampart like guides it to safety, but is knocked out in the process. And Captain Kremoff is like, oh, I, I, I will put a bandage on your head. And he pulls his helmet off and there's like literally blood coming out of Rampart's head. He bandages him up. He's like, oh, look, the, the Joes are already here to rescue us. Why do I Joe's are here to rescue us. And he, this, this moment, <laughs> I laughed so hard at this. Captain Kremoff opens the hatch and sees Cobra, Cobra and Joe's fighting over the, uh, the shuttle and says, Maybe I'll check on that later. <laughs> Did you like, also notice why. that Captain Kremov's music cues are like the Tetris theme? <laughs> no, I didn't. They, yeah, they start off like the Tetris theme and then it goes into something <laughs> else. Like, yeah, there's clearly some inspiration there. Because, I mean, oh, this was 1990. Great. Tetris was enormous at this point. So I know it cannot just be a coincidence. Oh, that's great. Wow. Um. So this this episode is like nonstop action packed because you've got outside of the space shuttle you've got uh, the retaliator isn't that the Joe helicopter? It's, it's the, the same one that was in the episode that we the other episode we watched. Right, it's, it's, it's got the, the hook on the back. I think it's the retaliator, right? Which comes into play in every episode they use it in. They got to catch somebody with that thing. Well, it's awesome. Like I want <laughs> one of those because that feature. Why, yeah, it's the Retaliator. Um, it's so loony, but it's so awesome. And I love the fact that Sergeant Slaughter just plucks another Joe out of the air with that thing. <laughs> uh, so the, you've got the Retaliators and whatever the heck that Cobra air vehicle is. I don't even know what it is. It looks it looks like a fleet of dirge from the Transformers. Yes, uh, it does. Flying. Yeah, I was like, is that a? Are they just drawing dirge? Well, and usually I'll I'll be able to pull up Jopedia and because they're typically pretty good about listing what characters and vehicles are in uh the episode, but they've got <laughs> nothing entered on this one. Oh no. Jopedia has like nothing on any Deke episode. Well, who can blame them? <laughs> so anyway, there's a big giant battle going on outside. It it's pretty action-packed, like it's kind of awesome. Uh so Sergeant Slaughter rescues some guy falling out of the air with his retaliator claw, which is insane. Uh, and then we get Noel's favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> oh man. This is, this is when um, the, the helicopter comes in to crash and uh low light decides to just leap out of it head first. But for some reason, instead of like tucking and rolling, they animate him just face planting <laughs> and just falling over. And the whole thing feels like it takes like 12 seconds and i just died laughing it and takes exactly keep... 12 seconds because <laughs> i recorded video of it and i will be posting that on audible interlude podcast on instagram i probably rewound that and rewatched it like five times and just laughed every time because it's just ridiculous and it's it makes no sense that the way that they would animate it that way it doesn't right. it surely doesn't make him look good well, but that's and that is the difference between Deke and Sunbow is Sunbow would have had him tucking and rolling and recovering in some way. Deke is going for like the lowest common denominator of like, oh, it'll be funny if he just lands on his face. 
Like that right there defines the difference between Deke and Sunbow. Uh, so then we get Naugahyde showing up, piloting something called the Snow Shark. Which is all I did was I wrote in all caps, I need a Snow Shark. <laughs> well, okay. So it's basically <laughs> the Land Shark, a giant version of the Masters of the Universe Land Shark. But how did they not make a toy of this? <laughs> I don't know, but now that Hasbro and Mattel may be teaming up, I think we have the moneymaker right there. Yes, that's the 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 uh, Mattel Creations Haslab combo snow shark vehicle. Do it. Make it happen. Get Super 7 in on it, too. I don't even care. Whoever. <laughs> uh, so then Kremoff <laughs> tells Cobra. Uh, oh, so, okay. So Cobra ends up... Uh, getting a hold of the shuttle, taking it back to their Arctic lair and Cobra commander and Naga hide or, and, and whoever. Okay. So we've got Cobra commander. We've got Naga hide. We've got laser vipers that show up later. Who, who are these awesome? Who are, Whoa. Okay. We're going to have a conversation about that. Uh, who are the not televipers in this? Those are the snow serpents. Wait, What? The ones with the purple heads, they're, I think they're snow serpents, aren't they? I have no idea because Jopedia pooped the bed on this one. Yeah, snow serpent V2. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They're in the Arctic. Well, sure, but they're totally doing what televipers normally do. Snow, snow serpent V2. Ugh, oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, all right. And, and for some reason, they're apparently from Brooklyn, uh, judging by their accent. So Cobra uh, has the shuttle back in the base, and it's literally just Cobra Commander, Naugahyde, a snow serpent, and a polar bear. And Cobra Commander tells <laughs> Naugahyde, Naugahyde, who is apparently the chief scientist for Cobra now, for some reason. <laughs> so he gets in a little uh, lift, goes up. And Rampart tells him that the shuttle is set to self-destruct if anybody touches it. And Cobra Commander is like, and he does. And we get this. So sure enough, it's set to self-destruct. Uh, and Cobra Commander tells him, tells the, the Joes, uh, well, the Joe and the October Guard, uh, Rampart and Captain Cream <laughs> Colonel. He's at this point, he's Colonel Creamoff. <laughs> the Cobra Commander Cobra, tells Rampart Cobra and Colonel Creamoff to disarm it, or they'll all be blown into penguin chow, <laughs> which is a thing people say. Uh, so it gets disarmed. We go back up to the battle on the surface, and uh, I absolutely adore the fact that whatever those Joe vehicles are, the the avalanche, avalanche. is it yeah. the avalanche? Yeah, that just like the toys, they actually shoot discs, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Um, I will say we talked a lot about the voice acting. I think if these were redubbed with 
less silly voice acting, this one, this episode at least would be much more tolerable. Cause I, overall, I really enjoyed this episode. The voice acting, the music is also a problem with me for the D. See, I felt like this was not terrible. It's there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of dead airspace and there's no spot in this episode. That's more jarring to me on that. When um, Sub-Zero is with Cubby and Sergeant Slaughter and Cubby is hugging him and he just starts stroking his head and there's like four <laughs> seconds of silence while he's just stroking this this little polar bear's head. <laughs> and there's a few moments like that where it's just like there's, there's I way don't too feel much like... silence in that spot. I don't feel like music would have been appropriate there. <laughs> well, no, no, I, it's, I'm not saying that music should have been there. I'm saying it would have at least distracted me from the fact that he's just staring in, at Sergeant Slaughter while stroking this bear <laughs> for seconds. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so we've got some issues with some lines here. Uh, there are some lines where Rampart was Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero was Rampart. There's even a point where, uh, or not, uh, not Rampart, uh, Stretcher, Stretcher, mm. uh, Stretcher has taken the avalanche's little hover vehicle or whatever it is and gone underwater. And, uh, not only is it Stretcher's voice, but Sub-Zero, his mouth is actually animated to say the lines that are clearly coming from Stretcher. Little, little flub, yeah. little oopsie, little, little blooper. Uh, so. Uh, we go back underground where Cobra Commander and Naugahyde are furious with Rampart and Colonel Kremoff, and they decide that they're going to let... By the way, uh, we were introduced earlier in the episode to what I think of as Chekhov's polar bear, and that mm, is Cubby. Yes. yes. <laughs> Cubby obviously has a greater purpose in this episode, uh, and it just so happens that Naugahyde has a sort of pet polar bear named Attila. And I will say Naugahyde, who's like a poacher character, right? Yes. Him, him having a polar bear is as close to reasonable logic as anything in this episode gets. <laughs> so, uh, Cobra commander tells Naugahyde to release his polar bear Attila to eat Rampart and Colonel Kremoff. Which is very Cobra Commandery. However, it's, it's definitely more. It, it definitely makes more sense than him wearing his outfit in the Arctic, with no sleeves or chest uh, covering. Yeah, Deke is definitely not worried about that. <laughs> uh, so while Cobra Commander and Naugahyde are just standing there beside the cage, they open up the cage, let the polar bear out. Uh, and the polar bear goes after Sub Zero, or uh, yes, oh, Sub Zero, and right because at this point Sub Zero and Stretcher have arrived. Have I gotten out of order? No. Well, I missed. Okay. Well, Sub Zero okay. and Stretcher are the the. They're there's not, like a dozen laser vipers. Right, right, right. We're, we're not there yet. We're not there right. yet. So they're releasing the polar bear to eat Rampart and Colonel Kremoff. And I actually have a note here that says the music is pretty decent. 
uh, it's it's not Sunbow, but it, it's close. And then they send out uh, because Stretcher and Sub Zero are in their Avalanche deployment vehicles. Uh, Cobra Commander sends out the Laser Vipers, and here is my note about the Laser Vipers. They're the most generic Cobras I've ever seen. They could be from literally any cartoon. <laughs> well, I so I had to go look up the figures again when I saw them, and I was like, oh, man, I really like this figure. Well, I'm looking up the figures now because the cartoon versions are super generic. And I got to tell you, okay, so yes, the figure is... With Pretty the loadout, awesome. the fig the figure is great. By itself, it's whatever. But in the cartoon, it looks like it could have come from Flash Gordon or like mm-hmm. literally anything. You oh, could, yeah, yeah. You could replace this character in in any other cartoon, and you would never know it was supposed to be like a Cobra G.I. Joe character. Uh oh, and in my note is who's the Brooklyn Viper, but we found out that's Snow Serpent uh, version two. Who is that? So, it's, it's the voice of uh, same voice of Sparkplug. I what the can't remember the name of the voice actor, but okay, yeah. Uh, so Sub Zero loses control of his vehicle and dives out for no discernible reason. But then Stretcher comes up behind him, and his his at least the Laser Vipers shoot it and it blows up. So he dives out. Lots of diving out of vehicles here. Low light Stretcher Sub Zero all just diving out of their vehicles all over the place. Uh, I think they blow up more vehicles in this episode than there are Joes that appear in it. <laughs> I think that's accurate. Uh, and then why let your massively overarmed troops deal with the Joes when you could send a polar bear? The laser vipers clearly have control of the situation. They are going to absolutely obliterate all of the Joes. And Cobra Commander is like, no, leave now and let the polar bear deal with them. Which is, again, a very Cobra Commander thing to do. Yes. Uh, it's because of his cold. It's affecting him. Yes, he's having... Uh, look, we all know how difficult it is to work when you're not feeling well. Right. And then we go back to Ramper. Uh, so the uh, polar bear is... Turns out it's one of Sub-Zero's 10 children polar bears. It just is kissing him. And they actually have kind of a... like. I think this could have happened in Sunbow where Cobra Commander and Nagahide look away. They're like, oh, it's so horrible. I can't look. And the Cobra, the polar bear is just actually like licking Sub-Zero because it recognizes him. Uh, and then we've got the whole cubby connection and whatever else. Uh, so Rampart and Sub-Zero and Colonel Kremoff and Stretcher all get back on the space shuttle. They're escaping, and they keep shooting, like, stalactites. The ice keeps falling. Like, I got a little lost at this point. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot going on in the last, Mm -hmm. like, four minutes of this episode. So, uh, (laughs) Rampart, I guess, is on the space shuttle watching the place explode and fall apart and whatever else. And he says, they just ran out of replays. And that was the point where I wanted to smash my TV. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the tipping point. Folks. That was, that was it. That was the point where I had had enough. Uh, uh, that's when Deke went too far. And then, but as soon as they all got into the space shuttle, Kremoff was a captain again. 
I will say this for the episode after watching this, I was like, even though it makes no sense whatsoever, Naugahyde is clearly pretty high up in the Cobra ranks. And I'm glad I already have a Naugahyde figure because if I didn't, I would have wanted one after watching this episode <laughs> for, for, because I'm an insane person, I guess. Uh, and then as they're leaving Cobra commander blames the Joes for him getting pneumonia and stretcher actually tosses him a bottle of aspirin and says, take two of those and call me in the morning. And the Yay. Joes escape. And presumably Cobra Commander and Naugahyde also escape. <laughs> uh, you guys, what did we just experience? <laughs> A D episode. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, that is it. it. It's this one is, it does have some influence that you might think, okay, yeah, for the most part, this could be a Sunbow episode, but there's definitely some very Deke isms in it. Uh, the the lack of the lack of characters like you know if they were doing this episode in 1985 there wouldn't just be like one joe and one uh uh red uh october guard in that shuttle they would have right. had a crew well that, and that's when they said it's a collaboration between gi joe and the october guard i was like oh cool we're gonna get like a bunch of people and then there's two dudes sitting in it i was like that's weird but that's that seems to be a hallmark of deke episodes and i guess it's a cost thing yeah well and like you know you've got this giant arctic base and sergeant slaughter's the only guy there you know it's same thing with the episode we watched with the the mind bangler um they had that base and it was just like the uh sky patrol guys and then like one other joe that were there the whole time we uh we don't talk about sky patrol anymore <laughs> that's um, true that's true we don't but no you're but, right but it's... speaking about guys we also don't talk about i do have to mention about sergeant slaughter in this episode <sighs> what so as you mentioned this episode aired october 10th 1990 and it made me start to think oh no now when i know what you're talking about when did sergeant slaughter come back to the wwf oh my gosh and I was poking around on some video sites and finding some old um, superstars and 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 primetime wrestling episodes. So what I can determine is that September 1st, 1990 was when he made his return as a heel. Oh, no. On October 8th, 1990, two days before this episode aired, he came out for the first time as an Iraqi sympathizer with General Adnan in his corner. <laughs> aka the iron sheik no 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 this was ad oh wait no yeah wait who's that was it was when the war broke out that he went full on iraqi sympathizer like you know yeah against yeah, yeah. the u.s where he had they brought in the iron sheik as colonel mustafa colonel mustafa, but i was like that's right i was like wow so who's adnan Adnan uh, general adnan lkc he was a uh, uh he was working for world class before that he'd been around for a while. Oh, but he uh, wasn't previously like, a I like, he wasn't like iron Sheik. No, no, he was just, he was a manager. Okay. But I was thinking about that and like how you got to wonder what Hasbro was thinking at this point, because they've got a show right. that, that is, you know, advertising to children. This, this heroic character who appears in a few more episodes after this is now like, a villain who is getting like more and more villainous 
on weekly television on, on, on the WWF at the time. So right. And for but Americans, was, like literally the most villainous person. You yeah. Could be. Because by the Royal Rumble in early 1991, that was when he won the world title uh, from the Ultimate Warrior and was uh, allegedly uh, getting death threats on his life. And they had to go to a smaller arena for safety. Right, right, right. Because they didn't sell enough tickets. But we all know what (laughs) the real story was. Yeah. Um, Although I I don't doubt that he was getting death threats, though. Right, right. I mean, that's that's not surprising, but uh, but yeah, that's the whole timeline on that is really kind of uh, kind of amazing because I wasn't even thinking about watching this the first time. It was like, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter's on this, yeah, yeah, and it's like he did come back to the WWF around this time, and oh boy, that's some really really unfortunate timing for Hasbro. Wow. Uh, okay, so Christian, overall thoughts. Overall, I liked it. I I think I would have liked it more as much as I do love Arctic elements and troops and all that. Because of the whole space shuttle mission, I feel like it needed a better quote-unquote B-plot rather than being the whole... Co- the Cobra Commander section yeah. just really, like why other than just to make little kids laugh um so i feel like a better b plot to tie the story together and it would have been great for a deke episode not a typical deke episode yeah i i enjoyed watching this one like the the things that were deke about it didn't detract enough from it for me to mm-hmm be like oh i i this is horrible like in action after i was done watching it i actually was like you know what i'd like to watch some more of these which i'm not going to because obviously we're going to be reviewing those in the future and i want to save them uh but it did leave me like oh maybe this isn't as bad as i thought and i just need to adjust my expectations a little bit and i can enjoy these more than i thought i could so overall, like this was a fun episode. There's some there's some stuff that made me groan, but uh it's it's worth a watch. Uh all right. Not the guys... worst Deke episode, no. No, definitely not. No. No, I I even like the Mind Mangler was was not good, but <laughs> I doubt it was the worst Deke episode. I guess we'll we'll get to that at some point in the future. Right. In keeping with the space theme of this episode, uh, this Instruments of Destruction, where we talk about the vehicles of G.I. Joe, uh, you know, and and maybe it's not necessarily going to be an instrument of destruction this time around. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's the name of the segment. So that's what we've got to stick with. Uh, you know what, Noel, why don't you introduce this one? Because I think you've got a little deeper connection to this than uh, Christian and I do. 
Well, so uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, my first ever G.I. Joe memory really involves space because I was bequeathed a lot of my uncle's Joes from the 1960s um, when I was a kid before the Real American Hero came line, line came out. So it was probably 1980 or so. He gave me a bunch of his old 60s toys, and the first one that at least I had a real connection to, which uh, I am holding in my hands right now, that not that you can see it at home, um, this is the 1966 Space Capsule um, for G.I. Joe, which um, I'm going to point this at the camera for my my cohorts here, but uh, I put a G.I. Joe sticker on it from so the this 80s. Is, this is like the legit one you had when you were a kid? Yes, this is the same one I had when I was a kid. Whoa. Um, yeah, so this is this was my uncle's before me. This is the one that I I had. I played with as a kid. I don't know if I still have my original GI Joe uh Mercury um astronaut, but he did come in this really awesome like foil uh spacesuit with a helmet um that had the zippers on it, so you know, it did it just like the rest of the GI Joe outfits it you know it was removable and it also came with a little 45 record um that had a story talking about the 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 mercury um space flight uh, it had actual audio footage from the original space flight um and it came in a lot of different colors mine was orange because if you go to vintage3djoes.com, you can see the different variations that came out of this one. Yeah, it looks like there were four different colors. There was yellow, black, orange, and red. Yep, yep. And mine was definitely the orange one. Um, I do not believe I still have my original record, but um, I still have this one. I still do have the original capsule um, because this became... Uh, in my G.I. Joe play as well, this actually was a, a spacecraft for my three and three quarter inch G.I. Joes, even though they didn't really fit. But I could kind of shove them down inside the vehicle um, and, you know, and, and make it work because, you know, I was seven. It didn't matter at that point. Well, looking at this thing, first of all, it's huge. This is like the size mm -hmm. of a human head. It's a large vehicle. It floats. Um, it, it's, this looks like a fantastic toy and I believe this has been reissued or, or, or redone a few times. This was redone in the three and three quarter inch scale as well. Well, yeah, right. You, you've got that set, right? I don't have that one. I do. Oh, I really? do have a lot of the other ones from that era, but I don't have that one. It's actually kind of one of my grail pieces I'd like to get. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it loose. For a few bucks but i'd like to have one in the original package um because it was that came out at the the official gi joe convention the first year that it was in orlando if i remember correctly well i think if you get the set don't they have that big box set that's all of it's the three and three quarter inch versions of the original joes but doesn't that include this or am I am I incorrect there? This came with the uh, original action team box set that included the. So yes, there was a box set that did include. Yeah, yeah, all the ones. So I've got all the rest of those: the action soldier, action pilot, action marine. But I've got the different color variations, I believe. Well, and yeah, and so I, it did come in a box with the original action team. Yep, I hmm. think that this was re-released. 
in one of the 12 inch Joe, like in the two thousands sometime, Hmm. but I can't, now I can't find it because of course I look GI, I look up GI Joe space capsule and this is all that comes up. Oh, wait a minute. Well, I know this one also, I think it was released again in 1969. Um, when we went to the moon, even though this is not a moon lander, but I think it's just because they were capitalizing on, you know, space mania. So okay. it got really released a couple times back in the sixties. This, um, the GI Joe friendship seven Mercury space capsule was released in 2000. Okay. Uh, it was an FAO Schwartz exclusive, but see, I feel like it was released other times as well. I, I think there have been a few reissues. Now it's got different paint job. Uh, it looks a little bit different. I think this has been released a few times though. Uh, because you know, they had that big revival of the one six scale Joe's in the late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands, where they released a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely like to have, Oh, here's another one. Uh, GI Joe space cadet. Ah, man, Google is so frustrating. Uh, but anyway, okay, uh, this so here's, Oh, come on. Oh, go ahead. Looks like 2004. In 2004, they at least reissued the astronaut with painted hair. It doesn't say if it came with the capsule, though. Yeah, I I think this is... uh, We've seen it at least a couple of times in the relatively modern era but what just what a great toy and Noel, you know for the, those uh listening Noel, the the hatch actually slides open yep yep it uh, slides open which uh you know and when i was when i was playing with this as a kid and i knew it was modeled after the real thing i thought that the real thing looked like this um <laughs> The the real spacecraft does not have this giant window, which is right, uh, right, right. half the diameter of the, the the vehicle. It just has a little portal for him to look out of. But this, of course, made it uh, a little bit more, gave it more, you know, toyetic uh, capabilities. You could, you know, e- more easily get your Joe in there. You could see it's got a really nice uh, stickered control panel. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, I mean, really, really floats. great toy. Yes, and it does float, so you can you can do the splashdown. So yeah, this this was just. I mean, think about this, nineteen sixty six, and this is a toy that would fit very easily into modern releases. Like the astronaut looks fantastic, and we're not you know instruments of destruction. We don't necessarily talk about the pilots or whatever. But this foil suit, uh, the space helmet, the little whatever the apparatus is sticking off the side of the space helmet, all the zippers mm-hmm. and everything like the figure looks incredible. The toy is great, great sculpt, uh, great playability. Uh, just really a, a really awesome piece. I'm loving the box art. Yes. Oh, yeah. in that, yes. So. You've got the space capsule. It's splashed down. The astronauts jumping into the inflatable raft. On the back side of the box, you've got an aircraft carrier. 
you've got the helicopter with the frogman jumping out, obviously to retrieve the astronaut. But what I love, there's one frogman down at the bottom by the space capsule, just slightly coming up out of the water. And uh, if this is modern era, that would be a cobra eel. Because <laughs> the way they painted him, it just looks yeah. like this this yeah, ominous yeah. figure getting ready to pull our poor astronaut down into the depths. Uh, you're right that that does look like a character with bad intentions. <laughs> uh, and and which, by the way, we we kind of we uh, one of you mentioned earlier vintage3djoes.com, which I did not know was a thing until <laughs> today when I started looking for background on this capsule. Uh, now, is this affiliated at all with 3D Joe's, or is this completely separate? Uh, yes, yes. So there's, um, uh, you can go to the the top of that site that says uh, more 3D Joe's, and it takes you to 3D Super Joe's, and then just regular 3D Joe's dot com. Wow. So, yeah, okay. This is all all Carson's uh, stuff here. But yeah, this is uh, if you want to look this up on vintage3djoes.com, it's it's just as incredible as 3D Joes where they've got the the full 360 degree views uh of the the figure, the capsule, the record, uh just everything. Uh, it's fantastic. And that packaging, I love the so I'm trying to figure out what the their the art wraps around two sides of the box. But uh, what is this blue and yellow drawing that's like total lost in space looking? Like, I'm trying to figure out where that is. Is that? I'm thinking that that is an advertisement that would have been like. Oh, wait a minute. No. And you know what? It looks like the box. It looks like the box is completely square. So I believe. The front of the box is the one with the astronaut and the soundtrack recording. Mm-hmm. The side of the box is the one with the helicopter and the listing of everything included. And I think that blue and yellow drawing is the back of the box. Yeah, I'm because uh, I had the I had the box. Like oh, I had really? this whole thing. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's incredible. Yep, yep. Uh, and it just I is one of those love... things I really wish I'd taken better care of you know throughout yeah, the years but, but how would you know you know yeah, i mean yeah. what how would you ever know um so yeah this this is a fantastic piece of toy history a a great great toy unto itself putting aside the historic nature of this is 1966 with a space mission you know 3 years before we landed on the moon um but I mean, we, you know, the Mercury program, the Gemini program, these were all, I mean, that was, that was huge. Uh, the space race was definitely at the, you know, at the, the apex of uh, American history at this point. So, uh, yeah, this, this is, it's historic, but it's also just an awesome toy. I would love for them to reissue this whole entire set because I, I would really like to own this. And I'm not a big one six scale Joe guy, but this is just a really, really cool piece. I and want that record too. I, I definitely say, have the record. If you go to YouTube, type in Hasbro GI Joe Mercury Capsule Record, there are people that have uploaded it. Uploaded okay. it. Okay. So you can listen to it. Uh, I want all the I know is that record. 
my my main memory from that at this point is that mine had a skip that developed on it on one of the sides and it would just say successive manned successive manned successive manned successive manned and i had to jump it ahead a groove to to advance it uh well this this is awesome this is you know really one of the first instance instances of gi joe in space at all uh, and i'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about it because i i will admit we don't look at the original Joes as much as we probably should, but it's because we just, you know, they're outside of our field of experience. Uh, but we need to dive into this realm a little bit more often. The adventures of G.I. Joe, the sinking capsule starring G.I. Joe and his action equipment. The G.I. Joe space capsule is down. Another mission complete. Frogmen and sea sleds are ready to help. Suddenly, the capsule fills with water and sinks. G.I. Joe sailors in deep-sea diver suits are going to the rescue. In seconds, you attach a line to the capsule and pull it to safety. There's more trouble ahead. The capsule is radioactive. But here comes the G.I. Joe crash throughput to wash down the capsule with a working pump. Kids, make up your own G.I. Joe adventures like the one you've just seen by getting any or all of this equipment. Capsule, deep sea diver suit, frogmen, talking G.I. Joe. Make up a different adventure every day with G.I. Joe. And now it is time for Beyond the 80s, where we take a look at aspects of G.I. Joe outside of that classic decade. So for our space-themed episode, the very first thing that popped into my head uh, are the Star Brigade figures, or as I like to jokingly call them, my Space Marines. Um between the three of us, we were pretty much all out of G.I. Joe by this point. However, uh, as I have clearly stated on this podcast many, many times before, this is when my younger brother was coming into G.I. Joe. And let me tell you, as much as the Star Brigade armor figures look uh, outside of the stuff that you would think me, Noel, and, and Dave would like uh when it came to kids they're incredibly toyetic they were at least like with my younger brother and his friends incredibly popular so uh yes so we are going to look at the 1993 star brigade uh armor tech figures so they put out um I think it was like six standard, right? So you have the Super Bat, you've got Destro, you've got Duke, you've got Heavy Duty, you've got Rock and Roll, you've got uh, Robo, Robo don't, Joe. Don't you dare leave out Robo Joe, <laughs> who we could do an entire episode <laughs> on. Uh, so the thing is, okay, so... All of these figures are wearing 
space armor so they can do battle in space. Some of the figures, instead of having a left arm, they have giant rocket firing cannons. Yes. Which, okay, cool concept. One of the things you'll notice about these figures is the proportions. You know, we like to poke fun at some of those later edition Joes with the, um, uh, what was it? Like the, the Valorant Venom when they have those really bad shoulders. Oh, yeah. The, the mm. giant shoulders and the tiny heads. Yeah. So these, you have the tiny heads, but then you have these humongous chests and arms and but it's, these it's tiny armor. little legs but yeah, it, it's like no i get it i get it i'm just saying like for me at the time it was so i do love the super bat i think that's a great figure which, like a which robot by the way with a popped up collar you pronounced that correctly it is the <laughs> super bat. bat yeah because bat. it is the battle armored android trooper yeah there's two A's. There's there. two A's. Yes. Um, so this is I remember these being at like KB Toys and looking at them and thinking, what is this garbage? <laughs> yeah, but, well, the, pose, the posability is more in tune with what you get with a Star Wars figure, other than you still have for any figure that that has like a regular arm that isn't a cannon. You still get an elbow joint. Right, right. They've got, most of them have joints. seven. Oh, they do have knee joints? They have knee joints. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but when you utilize those knee joints, then you really see how disproportionate the legs are. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because look, it's the it's figure. little. The thighs are like really, really short and tiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I... You know, maybe it was oh my a, gosh. a bad you guys, thing for engineering. Guys, I gotta tell you how much I love Robo Joe. Oh <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna save him. We're gonna save him. We gotta <laughs> first we gotta talk about the Cobra Bat. Yes. So um, this one is my favorite of this line. And oh, really? Okay. It, yeah. So by the time these figures came out, this is when a lot of the 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 weapons all just come on a sprue. Right. You're you know you're everybody has almost the same weapons at, or they're you know cross utilized. Um, so this massive bat comes with a submachine gun, a laser rifle, another submachine gun, and a pistol. Dude, that that laser rifle came with like. Eight out of every yes. ten Joe figures for years. Yep. Yeah, I just can't. He he doesn't have the swap out accessories like the regular Bat figure has. He's just got you know two normal robot arms so that he can shoot a pistol in space. Well, but he does have the missile launcher. How does? But how does, does. that connect? I can't even tell. No, he holds it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there was a peg. Okay. Um, oh, and you know what? That submachine gun, that also came with a ton of Joes. Because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's that the weird one it, Uzi with the hook on the end. Yeah, the one I think it came initially with uh, Snake Shockwave. Eyes. Oh, was it Shockwave? Okay. It Shockwave or Snake Eyes V. One of, I think one of the yeah, Snake one of the Eyes came with it also. Mm-hmm. 
and and being a 90s Joe since his or since the bad's color is black and white, we had to find some way to get the neon in there. So his weapons are bright yellow. But I will right, say yeah. this for all of the this era of Joe's, they all came with battle stands. True. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, but you're right. The yellow, I the figure itself, the black and white looks great. I love the red faceplate. It's like mm-hmm. reminiscent of the Sunbow Bats. Very yeah. cool. Like the figure itself looks great. Uh even the red missile launcher, like because these figures are so bulky, the spring-loaded missile launchers aren't quite as silly as they are with some of the other figures that they came with. Right. Uh, but yeah, the yellow, yes, uh, the yellow is kind of a cool contrast to the black and white, but it's not necessarily the best color for weapons. Yeah. The In this subline, the figures who have two actual arms, I think, are the best of the line. It's when we get into the ones who have the rocket firing missile arms that I think it. See, I am actually a fan of the ones with the rocket firing missile arms because to me that like these bodies are so wide, their body armor to me, those aren't their arms. Their arms are down by their are, sides inside in, the suit, right. and they're and they're just manipulating these using joysticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and so you know you've got if, if you got battle armor, why not have one arm that's just a giant missile launcher? That yeah, makes more I, sense to me. I kind of look at that the same way. In in that, the, for the human characters, they're in their like. Like Ripley in the power load. Well, no, not even mm. like that. But <laughs> but like their arms are inside the chest part. They're not actually in the arms of the arm. Okay, that that would make more sense because the the arms with the actual mechanism for firing the rocket are not proportional. Right. To if a well, let's let's go ahead. And, let's there. go ahead and move on. <clears throat> Yeah, so so we've got Destro, uh, which uh, for a subline, like to me, this makes sense. He would be creating the armor. He'd be selling it to everybody. Cool concept. Um, he's his armor is red and silver with some black highlights. He's got a chrome mast head, and he has. The solid black rocket firing arm. He comes with all the same weapons that the bat did, just in a silvery kind of gray. He has a space helmet that can connect uh, to his armor. He has a knife uh, for who knows what purpose. It's and a then, it's a space it's knife. Space, space knife. knife. <laughs> it's you know. His well, new knife and and all right, intentional pause. Mm. So, so, yeah, and the other cool thing about Destro is he comes with a little bubble helmet. Yes, so yes. all the other characters besides the bat actually have helmets because in space you kind of need a space helmet, even if you're Destro, even if you're Destro. <laughs> 
yeah, I really, I dig this figure a lot. Uh, I, I get why I did not like it when a new, well, one, I was out of Joe by the time it came out, but I was still like judging Joe's from afar. You know what I mean? Like I would go into KB and get my toy biz X-Men figures, but look at the Joe's and be like, ugh. I don't want those anyway. <laughs> um, I love the uh, the card art for Destro, and specifically his portrait is amazing. Well, what I'm noticing here, looking at the figure, so I'm trying to load his. Okay, so his portrait does not reflect this, but if you go to the all geared up picture of his figure, you can see the flesh around his eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which yeah, is crazy. That's really creepy, right? How weird is that? Especially when you look at the package art and it's not like that. No, no because he is a very 90s open mouth scream. Yes. Yes. So you can see that his and... mask has teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and also I'm noticing on the figure he has these two big t- like ninja turtle toes, which is very odd. Um, but I dig this. I would like to own one of these. Uh now, all right. So, so next, next up is Duke, which was my younger brother's favorite out of all of these. Like he was constantly playing with this figure. This is the figure that went in the car whenever with us whenever we went on trips um so duke is rocking a blue black and silver kind of what theme. is what is up with the half and half blue and black that's he's, so weird yeah he's a he's complicated like a guy <laughs> um and, and he I, looks completely insane on the card art yeah well and because his armor for whatever reason i've because i've always thought duke is more of a milk toast kind of guy but like his human arm side you've got spikes the the forearm piece with the the gauntlet with the the back of the hand guard is all spiky metal like like well, all duke, of all of these duke are they all something. have like like these are nineties figures. They've yeah. all got like spikes and stuff. Like they're all like spawn robots, which I realized yeah. spawn wasn't out at this point. I don't think, <laughs> but the, the spikes were a big a mutant league football. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like that Duke's helmet is different because it would have been very easy right. for them to just give each of these the same helmet. No, each of these get a different helmet. Duke's helmet reminded me of a mask helmet. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. 100%. And and his the weapons that he comes with were different than the cobras. So he gets a two quote unquote guns. One actually looks like some kind of space rifle. Yeah, yeah. Um of course he has a knife as well and he has a space two, knife. A space knife. Space a knife, different yeah. space knife. Yeah, he, well this is more like a space filleting knife. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, Destro's is more for stabby stabby. And then he's got two red missiles. Um, but I mean, same, you know, same concept as the Destro. Nothing incredibly, again, other than like the crazy color combination, nothing too, too special. This is but- the one that I picked up not too long ago. 
um, at a toy store, complete for ten dollars, uh, loose. And uh, it's it's a ridiculous figure. But what I think is pretty amazing is that they did a pretty good job of emulating the original 1983 slash 84 Duke head. Yeah. Like, like it looks almost like it's the same. They just use the same head again, but it's a different. I mean, it's slightly different looking. Well, it definitely has different eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got that same kind of like smirking smile that the original figure has. So uh, next up, we have Heavy Duty, which uh, I think this is actually my favorite. So he's he has my cap. he's got my favorite <laughs> helmet, because if you're going into space, you absolutely need a spiky Viking horned helmet. Oh, man. OK, so I take it back. I love this helmet, but this helmet cannot win out over actual clear bubble helmets so i take it back this is not my favorite (laughs) (laughs) it seems like this helmet should have gone to a cobra but it's a lot for a joe right and and look at it on the card art it is like guar whoa yeah that's the, the the spikes on these things are insane. Who who thought? Okay, we're designing space armor for the GI Joes. Let's cover them in spikes. <laughs> I yep. love, but I just love the color scheme of this one. Even though neon green camouflage makes even less sense in outer space <laughs> than it would on Earth. No, but. <laughs> For the military, it to me it makes a bit more sense than like the blue, silver, wow, like yeah, the weird color combination of yeah. Duke. You know, I mean, he looks like you he would fit in with the Kenner Aliens toy line. Yes. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. he actually his head looks a lot like uh, I think it's the Apone figure that mm-hmm. came out. Um Look, this is a fantastic toy. Yeah. The bronze and the green and the like, it looks, it is very, very toyetic. And I'll tell you right now, we need, I don't, I don't ever need to see a regular classified heavy duty, but I want a classified <laughs> series star brigade heavy duty. <laughs> A-S-A-P, Lenny. And he comes with the exact same weapons as Duke. But now, I think because his armor is neon, they're like, well, we have to balance that right. with solid black weapons. <laughs> You're right. It would have been too much if these were like pink. Right. Uh, yeah, this this one is great. And I, like I said, because of the helmet, even even though I love this helmet, but nothing will ever win out over a clear bubble helmet because going all the way back to ace, the clear bubble helmet is the best thing ever. So this is great, but it can't be my favorite. Uh, my next up may pop. Oh gosh. What kind of helmet does he, have? we can't even get to the helmet yet. What is next? What are we looking at? here? Well, I was actually going to save your favorite here for last. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so yes. I was going to let's, Let's jump over to our Robo Gunner Rock and Roll. 
which Robo Gunner absolutely makes it sound like he's some kind of weird cyborg now. Um, but he has probably the the color scheme that makes the most sense. He's yes. got a blue and silver, like he actually looks. <laughs> can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, like respectable out of this subline. <laughs> like, well, and it's a nice metallic blue. Yeah. Until you get to his weapons. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Because in space, no one can hear you shotgun unless you're rock and roll. That's just how hey, metal base, he is. Hey, shotgun. They, a, the, the colonial Marines had shotguns. Uh, fair enough. I'm just saying. That, but look at this helmet, this beautiful, I'm assuming Pure translucent bubble. purple helmet. Yep. Ooh, I love and, this one. And he's got a missile launcher, much yes. like the Super Bat. So, uh, you know, he's ready to kick butt and do what rock and roll does. He braves laser fire, jumps on live grenades, chases Cobra Bats. Right into the sun. Cobra His bats. can withstand the sun. And that now takes us to Robo Joe. Yes, Robo which, Joe. Okay, the, the cyborg head, cool. I am telling you from my brother having this figure, the paint splatter deco, at least to my memory, did not look as good as what this picture on Yojo. Oh, that makes me sad because I like, love it. It looked like a factory mistake. Well, first of all, this guy is a Halloween robot. <laughs> this orange and black color scheme. It, look, we're this. He is transcending G.I. Joe and turning into the seasonal masterpiece of like halloween cyborg he's in his cyborg head looks like it's not even like traditional cyborg silver it's like gold no it's gold oh yeah. my gosh and it's vac metal i have to have that. i want to go buy one of these <laughs> mint on card right now and look his weapons are golden yep he comes with this it looks like the same missile launcher uh that comes with rock and roll but that's fine because it's orange Yep, except they show him actually plugging it into his shoulder and not carrying it on his hands. He's so metal, he doesn't need the arm guards. There's no <laughs> spikes on him. Like, he is straight up Terminator Robot Joe. And his helmet, helmet continuing is, with the Halloween theme, looks like a looks kitty like, cat. Well, it looks like Batman. Uh, if you look at the 3D Joes... Um, where you actually can see him at 360. He he actually looks like he's wearing a Batman uh cowl for a moment there. Oh my gosh. Hang on. I've, <laughs> I'm I'm getting I'm getting to 3D Joe's, which I should have started from in the first place. But sometimes <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, sometimes Yojo is a little easier to navigate. It's easier to navigate, but if you want to see better pictures, especially for some like this, um well, even yeah, even the uh, all geared up, I can see, yeah, it looks more like a cat, but yeah, I don't know. I always thought it, it was more wolf-like, but that's just me. It's a Halloween kitty cat. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've 
as soon as we are done recording, I'm getting on eBay and I'm buying a Robo Joe. I know we're <laughs> going to be at Joe Fest in just a few weeks here. I cannot wait. And who knows? They may not even have a Robo Joe at Joe Fest. Why would I take that chance? I am stronger. I am faster. I am Robo Joe. Dude. That's because the people that own Robo Joes don't part with him. Right. Well, why would you why ever? Would you? I, why would I'm you just going to say there's one right now for $10. Buy it now with $5 shipping. Whoa. So. <laughs> Send me that link. Yeah. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. I need and it. I, I should have looked at his card art before. Like all of them have crazy af they hard all art. look like but, complete crackheads but like they actually have a tube coming Dude. out of one of his nostrils right into his eyepiece wow that's <laughs> this amazing. is amazing this is amazing this this is the greatest G.I. Joe figure ever made. <laughs> I will never regret that statement. I think, I think we I'm, just found Dave's Eagle Eye Joe. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I take it back. Lenny, Lenny, I don't care about getting a bat. I don't care about getting whoever it was. We're heavy duty. Heavy duty. I need a classified Robo Joe immediately. <laughs> this is incredible. I the, the design of his armor as well. I would have to say, like him and rock and roll, their armor makes sense. Well, yeah, his well, his colors are are kind of like the way that they're arranged. It's a little bit better, and the armor itself, like, but I don't it, know. it looks like the kind of armor you would see in a sci-fi space movie. Like, well, he kind of looks like armor a... looks separate from the torso, like. You know, well, you could he, actually he, move around in it. He kind of looks like a uh, like a Warhammer, yeah, type thing. Yeah, he's great. All right, I'm buying one of these. All right, we real quick <laughs> we gotta we gotta circle back around to rock and roll because it's worth mentioning that apparently some rock and rolls came with yellow weapons and some came with purple weapons. Oh, uh, so that that is an interesting little side note. I made him slightly more desirable to you with the purple. Yeah, weapons. absolutely. I mean, <laughs> already also, he's one that I, if I see him, I'm going to buy him. There was also a general Hawk um, with the armor tech, but he was a vehicle driver and he looks like he pretty much has the same oh. body as Duke with mm -hmm. some different colors and a different head. Duke it's, is, is probably my least favorite. He came with the armor bot, which my brother did not have okay i can i remember like going into kbs and seeing that thing like on clearance for what seemed like years and years and years and nowadays yeah it it doesn't go for cheap so uh looking at these six figures out of these uh which oh yeah i see the hawk oh gosh his colors are even worse than dukes because he's still the half and half yeah he's like drab black, and black green and gold but he's he's like you know i'm still got space military colors yeah yeah you're right you're right well and he does kind of match that rocket pack or that that one hawk that had the glider jetpack type thing yeah yeah this this one 91 mm -hmm. yeah 
with a bubble helmet, by the way. Uh, all right. All right. So looking at these six figures, uh, which of these is, I mean, right now, Robo Joe is 1000% <laughs> my favorite. Uh, what about you guys? Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I like the bat. Um, <laughs> I do. I do think I'd like him better if he had the robot arm, um, like the, the missile launcher arm. Um, cause I do, I do think that features better. I, you know, I got to say of all these, the Destro is probably my favorite. Solid just, choice. Like, I, I would just imagine that that is something I, I believe Destro would wear that. Mm-hmm. I'm still sticking with the super bat. Yeah. I mean, that one's good too. I look. I, if I come across any of the, well, okay, live on the show, I am buy it now on the link that Noel just sent me. <laughs> no, I do not need a protection plan. <laughs> All of these places with their stupid protection plans now. 2649, 100% complete Robo Joe in good shape with the card, by the way. Yeah, you can find these mint on card. Oh, yeah, there's one $34. Yeah, these these can easily be found mint on card at a lot of conventions for under $30. Oh, really? Oh, man. Okay, you know what? I'm backing out then. I'm backing out. I'm going to... not. I don't know about Robo Joe specifically, but just these Star Brigade figures from this era. I'm going to... Because I'll I'll pay a little bit more to get a mint on card one to open up. Here's I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do three with like $10 shipping mint on card. I'm, I'm adding this to my watch list and I will, <laughs> once we're done recording, I will look around a little bit more carefully and see what I can find. All right. Uh, I think that's it. You guys, is that everything about the, uh, armor tech star brigade for right now? That is I all right. That's all we can talk about with them. And this is Knowing is Half the Babble, where each of us gets a little bit of time to talk about anything we want, even if it's not G.I. Joe related. Uh, I'm going to kick it off this time, and mine is G.I. Joe related. So uh, as we talk about all the time on the show, His Tank is a great resource for G.I. Joe conversation, for news, for thoughts, for everything else about G.I. Joe. Uh, And... I've had a couple of things that I've seen lately. One was a comment on the Needless Things YouTube channel. One was a thought, uh, kind of chain of thought in his tank, where people have suggested that Hasbro make business decisions based on what third-party companies are making. Uh, one of the suggestions I got was that whenever somebody, because the Marine Corps is no longer licensing out the Marine Corps logo. They don't do it. It's not about Hasbro not wanting to pay the money. It's not about Brian Flynn not wanting to pay the money. Brian Flynn confirmed that he wanted that correct Marine Corps thing on the gung-ho figure and that they are not licensing it for those purposes anymore. Uh, And it was suggested uh, by one of my favorite people to interact with, a very, very knowledgeable Joe fan. Uh, But it was suggested that Anybody who releases a gung-ho figure should just leave it blank-chested 
because everybody knows there are people out there making water slide decals and you can just get your decal and put it on yourself. Uh, I don't agree with that at all because I'm not going to do that. I would rather have a close enough design because look, I'm not looking at it and thinking, well, that's not the Marine Corps thing in the first place. Like in in the case of the classified gung ho, I think they could have done a much better job because that one is blatantly not even close. But I feel like what Super 7 did is I I would rather have a close enough than a nothing at all because I'm not going to buy a third party water slide and put it on my figure. I'm just not going to do that. And I think it's it's not reasonable to suggest that Hasbro or super seven say, Oh, well, people can just buy these parts to go on the figures. We'll, we'll make them inaccurate knowing that they can be fixed. Another one that was suggested was that super seven might release a dark blue Cobra commander, knowing that people could go buy a hooded Cobra commander head to put on it. That's not, how this works and i don't agree with that thought process now that's not to say i don't agree with people getting these custom parts and doing that stuff but i don't think that you should assume that your end consumer is going to be willing to spend that money to customize the product you're selling them i don't think that any toy company should make that assumption uh out of the box i just don't agree with that train of thought so that's my that's my babble. How do you guys feel about all that? Not at all. I think if you are, especially when it comes to water decals, if you are talented enough to be able to do water decals, then you know how to remove paint from a figure, right? To right. be able yeah. to do it yourself. Um, I. You know, it's one of the things that bugs me about the Transformer lines is that most of the ones that come out now, it's reliant for me to go to companies like Toy Hacks to get the labels that make the figure look like how it, you know, it should. And I absolutely keep thinking, you know, these figures should come with these things. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I would rather have a close enough than a incomplete. Uh, Christian, you got some babble for us. I do. It is not Joe related. Um, so I want to recommend an album that came out this month. It is from the cartoon show Bluey, and it is called Dance Mode. Um, if you've never watched Bluey, I get it. Uh, however, the team that puts the music together for this show, it is eclectic. It crosses all sorts of genres. You have upbeat, perky kind of songs. You have slow ballads. There is a song on there from an episode called Rain that the woman singing her voice will absolutely move you to tears so if you're a fan of soundtracks from shows like phineas and ferb um i cannot recommend dance mode enough and if you can get your hands on the rec the record day uh lp edition um it actually when you spin it on your record player it it has animation 
that plays. Oh my gosh. Really Don't cool. get me started on record store day because I had, it was the, as we're recording, it was this past Saturday and yeah. I had to work uh, and I was not able to get my hands on a vinyl copy of Macho Man Randy Savage's Be a Man. Uh, <laughs> but it is, uh, th- they have confirmed they're going to do another pressing of it. So that's, that's good. Excellent. So that's it. Uh, Noel, you got a little bit of babble. Yes. Uh, and mine is Joe related. Uh, just another recommendation slash plug, uh, for somebody who we will be featuring on our show here, uh, in just a few weeks, uh, hooded cover commander, seven, eight, eight, uh, put out uh, a recent video. It was his ninth anniversary of his channel video. And he did an hour long video, uh, about Cobra commander. And normally what he does is he just does like a toy review, um, or occasionally he'll do like a review of a comic or something like this one. But in this case, he actually did like a full retrospective on the character of Cobra Commander and kind of the sociopolitical uh, background of like how that character would appear in the real world and a pretty good like psychoanalysis of his character and how he relates to that time period and how he relates to today, but also how the existence of Cobra Commander and the character of Cobra Commander is what keeps G.I. Joe from strictly just being a Cold War toy. Because the motivation behind that character is not just a Cold War character. He's not just, you know, the villain that the gung-ho Americans were were after in, you know, in the 80s. He's really a character that can be relatable today. So I really recommend checking it out. Um, it's one of it's one of my favorite videos he's done. Awesome. I will definitely check it out. I'm I'm kind of just now getting into to his stuff. Uh I, I love his takes on things and his the depth of, of his thought mm-hmm. uh on the videos that he does. Uh just as an update, I have just purchased for 3601 shipped. A mint on card Robo Joe should be here by May 1st. I will be opening that and reviewing it on the Needless Things <laughs> YouTube channel. Very excited. Nice. Uh, all right, you guys, uh, we've done it again. We have talked about G.I. Joe. I, I enjoyed our little space themed episode here. And of course, there's plenty more space themed Joe for the future. Uh, but for now, we got to call it a night. Christian. Where can we find that figure photography that you do so well? You can find me on Instagram under the name Legion Cub. Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the finest? The finest is a G.I. Joe costuming club that helps raise money for a fantastic organization called Canines for Warriors. Check out the finest CC.com or the finest recruitment center on Facebook. If you've ever thought about dressing up like your favorite Joe character. Uh, well, everybody listening, please spread the word about Audible Interlude. Uh, we can only succeed if you continue telling everybody that they need to check out Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. Christian, Noel, uh, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe once again. And as always, yo, Joe. Oh, oh bro.
You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.